This is food! This is beans! Man, man. The Mandalorian Season 2. How'd you like it? I actually didn't watch any of it. Are you joking? <laughs> you never watched The Mandalorian Season no, 2. What I'm, are we doing here on this Closer Look episode of I'm being facetious. I, I watched all of it. It's great. I really enjoyed it. What did you think about it? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I think so. Simon. Yes, I enjoyed it a lot. And I found that it keeps getting better, this show, as it goes. Like, the start of Season 2... It started with a bang, and it just kept getting better and better and better. Every episode was just... I just love how every episode completes a story. It, like, its own little independent story arc while also being a part of the big picture. It's just such a great show in so many ways. The action sequences are just so well choreographed. The the puppeteering and, like, the, the live action effects are pretty spectacular. Um when they use live action effects instead of some CG as an example. Um, but like when they use the live action puppeteering, for instance, baby Yoda, just like last season, it's just so cute, man. What I agree a, completely. What a cute character. Uh, and, uh, I feel like it's the main reason my uh, girlfriend watches the Mandalorian with me is baby Yoda. Really? She calls it the baby Yoda show. That's uh, honestly, that is a valid thing to say. Yeah. Albeit incredibly wrong. Oh, I see. I see. Should we go episode by episode and kind of talk about the the perks and the you know maybe the, some of the downfalls of each episode? Yeah, I, I'm I'm happy to. That way we can kind of break down each character individually, uh, spend a nice chunk of time with every individual episode. Um, I've only watched the season once. I haven't watched any episode. Actually, that's a lie. I watched one episode in this season twice, and it's the uh, fifth episode in in this season, the Jedi, which I am very excited to talk about. Which to me is my favorite episode of this this season arc. Interesting. Um, okay. However, uh, yeah, honestly, th- this show's really great. You are correct. It does start off with a bang, and in my opinion, that first episode of this season, this season is miles better than the first season. I don't think that necessarily, but like I I I genuinely believe every episode of this season is better than every episode of season one. Really? Wow. Uh, okay. And I stand by that. I think the first episode is, as soon as it aired, I was like, man, this so might chapter actually... Chapter 9. In this yes, case. sorry. Chapter 9, it's called The Marshal, right. um, directed and written by uh, John Favreau. Awesome, yeah. Uh, and as soon as that episode aired, I was like, man, this might actually be my favorite episode of the show so far. Uh, it's very well done. A nice, you know, tight 50 minutes. Uh, I think the longest episode of the entire series up until that point. Actually, no, no, just the longest episode of the series in general. Uh, I don't think anything surpassed this, the 50-minute mark. Yeah, it's interesting how they do show just to draw attention to that. They don't always do the same lengths of episodes. In fact, they fluctuate by massive amounts to the point where some of them are uh, under 30 minutes to being episodes that are over 45 minutes, 50 minutes. Yeah, nearly an hour. It's interesting how that it fluctuates. That's not something that other networks or other streaming services really do very often. Netflix seems to adhere to the idea that every episode of like Stranger Things as an example or House of Cards or any of those series are all really roughly the same length. They're within about One hour, yeah. a few minutes of each other, like give or take a few minutes. Usually. They don't necessarily have to be an hour, but you'll find there'll be 50 minutes, but each episode will end up being around 50 minutes so you can kind of gauge how much you're about to watch. Um, But this show seems to be always less than an hour uh, for each episode, and it doesn't really bother me that that they've done done this this way because of the thing I just talked about, which is 
that every individual episode is almost a succinct chapter. It really is like a chapter of a novel. When you're reading a novel, not every chapter is the same length. It really ends so that you have a beginning and end, beginning, mm-hmm. middle, and end. And that's a, a benefit to the way they've done the show. And that's it, be, it benefits it that they have different varying lengths of episodes as well. No, I, I agree with you completely. It, uh, I feel like a lot of shows can kind of fall into a trap where you have to meet a minimum requirement of minutes. So you tend to just add additional fluff. Yeah, exactly. In this show, Filler. In this show, there's absolutely zero filler. Every second that's on the screen is, yeah, exactly, is meant for something. And it really keeps your eyes on the screen at all times. You don't want to miss anything because every little thing could be even like a small Easter egg to something that came before it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Or the series as a whole, which I really appreciate. Um, I think what this series nails, which, not to bash on the rise of Skywalker, but I'm going to, is it understands how to do fan service and nostalgia in a very coherent way that makes sense. For the plot. For the plot. And that's some bullshit that you just made up so that you can, you know, pander. Exactly. Everybody who, who loves Star Wars for various reasons or people that had problems with Star Wars, you're going to course correct. No course correction is really being done, really. Not to any, like, lengthy extent. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really important to me, too. Uh, so I would agree with you on that one. Yeah, but the, we started talking about the Marshall, and yeah, the Marshall so, is, is is a really great episode, and it really does have a beginning, middle, middle and end. It starts Timothy Oliphant yeah, Timothy as the Elephant. Marshall. Oliphant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Star of Justified and uh, Deadwood, as an example. He's a, he's a great actor for any Western-type series, and I feel like this series in a lot of spots kind of dives into the idea of the Western. The entire episode for the Marshall takes place on Tatooine, Mm-hmm. Which is pretty cool, and then, and uh, it's like a small town type idea. The Mandalorian goes to the, the small town, and he finds out that they have a serious giant monster problem, and he seeks to solve it. Yeah, uh, he gets there. He meets Cobb Vanth, who again is played by Timothy Elephant, and Oliphant. Yeah, that's what I said. And he's he's played by that guy. He's wearing Mandalorian armor, and uh, Mando in his ways is just very strict, and you know tells him like. Dude, you got to take this armor off or I'm going to fuck you up in a much more cool way as opposed to how I just said it. Right, because um, he's not a Mandalorian and he doesn't deserve to Yeah, he doesn't deserve the armor. The armor. He's not a Mandalorian. Um, which is... Uh, According to this man. particular Mandalorian. Exactly, which uh, we'll kind of get into because it, they, they really added a lot of layers to like the Mandalorian religion. Uh, yeah, what his score. code is as a person and what he believes in specifically. Mm-hmm. This particular Mandalorian. Correct, uh, which I really appreciate. And again, yeah, um, it's it's like a cool little buddy cop, not necessarily a buddy cop, but this like buddy team up of these reluctant guys that definitely don't really want to partner up, but they have to to yeah, it's save like that, a town. Like the buddy cop comedy type scenario where these guys are on the road together. It's like a road movie with these. T- there are kind of cops in a way. They're trying yeah. to defend this town, and then they they make friends or kind of make friends with Tusken Raiders or at least they they have the shared goal and that they're trying to take down this giant monster it's such an interesting idea that first of all the Mandalorian knows the language for the Tusken Raiders which is amazing and the fact that uh, the Tusken Raiders to this point have been known to be just vicious savages savages yeah to I don't know to make them feel more human or humanize them or they may not they not be they're probably not human I mean they could be 
Um, we don't well, know some what's sort underneath of, the yeah, garb. Some sort but they're of. humanoid, uh, and that they're they're empathetic characters, which is so interesting. It's it's much more interesting, arguably, than the the versions of them we've seen before. I agree because yeah, you kind of just see them as almost like villainous characters that are yeah again savages just like monsters. we said. You know, they're the people that kill... Kill and kidnap people. Yeah, they killed Anakin's mother and, you know, um, Attack of the Clones, all that sort of stuff. Oh, true that, yeah. And we kind of see another side of that, which I really, really like. It's it's very well done world building. And that's what I'm talking about uh, in The Mandalorian, how they, they respect, you know, what came before it and they evolve it as opposed to retcon it in any way. For sure. Um, they do such a great job. And I think... The way, um, j- just that whole almost tumultuous relationship between, obviously, you know, Cobb Vanth and this mining town, like the Mining Collective or whatever it's called, and the Tuscan Raiders is, you know, it's a very, like, fragile relationship. They, they, they're killing each other. And having this, you know, these two parties having to team up to fight, I guess, a greater evil and, like, the crate Dragon is, is such a cool premise. And never in a million years would I... S- would I think that we would see something like this in Star Wars? Because again, up until this point, the Tuscan Raiders are fairly one-dimensional, and this really adds that actual like additional like third dimension to it. Yeah, it um, is a really brilliant episode. The more I think back of it, back on it, it's one of the better ones of the season. Actually, if you think about it, I agree. I said it gets better and better, but it, honestly, maybe I don't know. This is one of the top ones in my mind. No, definitely, and it's just it, such a good, succinct story. I really like it. I agree with you. It's it's perfect. It's like perfectly. Yeah, it's a perfect bottle episode even though it's not really a bottle episode in any way it takes place on Tatooine which is like a full-on planet but uh yeah as soon as I finished watching that I was like man this is probably my favorite episode of the series the reason by the way he goes to this town in the first place is he's specifically looking for the Mandalorian whose armor that is uh because he's looking for Mandalorians he's looking for his own people to find out where baby Yoda where baby Yoda belongs Mm because he's got to return him somehow to his own people and he's told at the end of season one that a Mandalorian would be able to guide him to to some answers to, as to where Baby Yoda belongs. Yeah, that's been his whole mission pretty much for the first two seasons is just trying to make sure that Baby Yoda is safe. Exactly. And one thing that we fully failed to mention is the armor that Timothy Elf- Elephant's wearing is uh, Boba Fett's armor. Oh, clearly, yeah. Yeah, it's got the same. It's it's all the same features of Boba Fett's armor. And so when they finally defeat the Krayt Dragon, the episode wraps up. We discover at the very end of the episode, quick sneak peek of somebody walking over the over the dunes. It's uh, Tamora Morrison who plays Boba Fett in the prequel series, mm-hmm. and uh, and he's not wearing his armor. Clearly. He doesn't play Boba Fett. He plays uh, Jango Fett. Oh, sorry, Jango yeah. Fett, but he's a clone of Jango, so mm-hmm. it makes sense. Um, yeah, but yeah, so he plays Jango Fett and all the clones. Actually, all the clone troopers uh, when you see them, anyways, uh, from. Again, in the prequel series, and so it's uh, again, it's you. You assume it's Boba because Boba was supposed to be a clone of of Jango. Exactly, and uh, at that point in time, I imagine most of the clones have already died because they the rapid aging, and Boba Fett is the only clone that ages at a regular rate. All the other clones just rage rapidly, uh, age rapidly. Right. <clears throat> so yeah. you can assume that they'd all be dead by that point. So yeah, immediately when you show that at the end of the episode, it's it's like, oh man, this is exciting. We're actually going to get you know Boba Fett back. 
Yeah. And I honestly thought, like, oh, maybe this is just going to be the last time we see him. It's just going to be a small little cameo. It's foolish to think about in hindsight. Thought, well, you may have thought that it was going to be season three, or he's going to yeah. be in it not very much. But he's in it for quite a bit of the season. Yeah, he's in it for practically the entire second half of the season. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, it is really cool. And he's shown to be an incredibly cool character. He oh. is. It, he gets the redemption he deserves. Um, yeah, he didn't just... The, Get do the Will Hunt scream and fall into a Sarlacc pit. Yeah, exactly. But um, what what do you what do you think about Cobb Vanth? Like, do you do you like Timothy Elephant's portrayal of Cobb Vanth? Oh yeah, I love him. Yeah, you didn't like it? No, I love oh, it. Okay. Yeah, I think I think it's really awesome. I think he's a wonderful addition to the Mandalorian verse. Yeah, the Ma- Mandalorian verse, I guess. Um, yeah, and- I want to see him again for sure. Me too. And I like how they keep bringing characters back from previous episodes. It's one of my favorite things also about the series is that they're not... Each of these characters is fleshed out to be pretty interesting, and then they don't necessarily have them in every episode. They just keep bringing them back in in various ways. So it's neat that way. Yeah, man, I agree with you. We talked about this on our main podcast, Split Focus, episode 25, uh, How actually, and 24, how uh, Disney announced the new what is it rangers of the republic yeah right. uh, tv series yep um i'm curious who they're gonna all bring in for that do you think like they're setting up a lot of these characters to be a part of that or oh you think somebody like cobb vanth might yeah be do in you it? think he might Ooh, be in that that would be cool eh yeah it seems like cara dune it's a series that's kind of built around cara dune in a, yeah. in a weird way but actually i was reading an article and you'd mentioned on episode 24 of our regular split focus podcast not the bonus episodes closer look but the regular yeah, yeah. episodes um you had mentioned that cara dune actress gina carano mm-hmm. she was actually tweeting some controversial things and there's a question about whether disney will accept the controversies that she's creating about like i think she's saying some anti-vaxxing stuff yeah and very I'm, anti-vax i'm stuff curious and... based on some of those tweets whether they will disown her I'm not too sure. Like reading those tweets, nothing's really all that like. I didn't read them. You 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 I, I were saying that they, were, they looked bad. So I'm curious. What yeah, you think. it's nothing like egregious. Like she literally. Okay, so it should be good. Like it's not like she's like you know saying the n word or something crazy like. Well, that, that would be crazy. That you know what I mean? Like uh, but, instantly. But like she like she is very vocal about like questioning the vaccine and stuff, which again is a little bit. I mean, again, teach their own, but uh, I don't necessarily agree with that. But even that, you can kind of sweep it under the rug. I think the main thing with her is uh, she put, like, pronouns in her bio and then followed it with beep, boop, bop or something like that. And people were, like, called her out for being transphobic. And it's one of these dogpiling situations where it kept on escalating. Oh, so you mean maybe just, like, people blowing things out of proportion? Is that what you think it's happening? Not necessarily. Like, I mean, some of the stuff she says is not cool, but I don't think it's anything, like, totally egregious. So extreme. Yeah. Okay, well, that's good. She's not, like, being, like, trans people suck or something like that. It does seem like it's going to be Gina Carano as one of the main characters. But it would be cool if Timothy Oliphant was in it as well. I would like that. Um... Now, I know I'm jumping quite a bit of a bit ahead, but at the end of this entire piece, they also introduced, revealed that there's going to be a Boba Fett series. Right, the book starring, of Boba Fett. Yeah, the book of Boba Fett, which uh, comes out December 2021. Yeah. And just to jump forward real quick, ideally you've watched this show, but at the end, Boba Fett goes back and like it's an after credit scene to the final episode, goes back to Tatooine, uh, kills... Bib Fortuna. So you see, like, Boba Fett go back to Tatooine and then, uh, you know, walk in into Jabba's, like, old palace and kills Bib Fortuna, who took over... Um, after Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, after Jabba the Hutt dies. Right. It's strangled. That also takes place on Tatooine. So I'm thinking, will Cobb Vanth be in that series? 
Oh, because maybe. There's a little bit more connection between Timothy Elephant's character, Cobb Vanth, and yeah. uh, Boba Fett because he literally was wearing Boba Fett's armor at the beginning of this series. Right, that's true. And again, Bo, like Cobb Vanth, he didn't leave Tatooine. Boba Fett's now back on Tatooine. I can see that sort of connecting. Yeah, I hate to jump too, too far ahead, but... Uh, Who knows how far, like, well, that could be a large planet. Like, how, mm-hmm. how far away do they really live? But it's, it's a good point. There's a good chance that he'll be in that series. What's that series going to be? I'm kind of curious. Me too. What it's going to what it's going to be? Yeah, me too. I think that I I I questioned as soon as I saw the book of Boba Fett being advertised there as another series that they hadn't anna- announced at the Disney Investors Call. I just instantly thought of you and I thought that you're going to say that it's Small Universe Syndrome once again. Because they still don't have any series that's not in this exact time frame. It's a little weird. Yeah. I, At no, this I, point, I don't really get why they don't have anything. But I'm excited to see. I like Boba Fett. I think me that they, too. they did uh, him justice, and they really made him one of the cooler characters that people believed he was, even though he wasn't he given was that much really. screen time. It's really just like there's a couple scenes in like Empire Strikes Back, you know, like the when he's walking down the hallway when he's being followed by like Luke and everything. Um, and then, you know, he like backs around the corner and they walk past the corner and he just turns around and shoots at them real quick. Right. Yeah. You know, they, I feel like they really encapsulated that in just multiple scenes throughout the series. For sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really like the episode of the Marshall, uh, chapter nine. Yeah. Um, in like after that, obviously it's chapter 10, the second episode of the series. That it one's is. called the passenger. And that was also phenomenal. It's a really good episode too. And, uh, yeah, they, they, they introduce a couple of, you know, like old, uh, rebel fighters um uh, you know flying x-wings and stuff again touching on that like nostalgia factor without shoving it down your goddamn throat right exactly which i really appreciate it's the subtlety is the key you're Mm -hmm. in this in this universe but it's like uh everything is is a set dressed type scenario you're Mm -hmm. not you're not doing this you're not just throwing in an x-wing so that people will say oh look it's an x-wing the point was to to basically have them flying the x-wing because that's what they would fly to serve the actual plot and that's yeah. the benefit it's not some nonsense like again giving Chewbacca a medal at the end of Rise of Skywalker the most ridiculous thing probably in the entire series but God, fuck that anyway um, but interestingly enough this episode was directed by Peyton Reed uh, probably yeah. best known for right now Ant-Man and, and Ant-Man and, and the Wasp, Wasp. Jinx uh, but this episode's really great as well. So um, after, you know, meeting Cobb Vanth, Mandalorian gets like kind of like a heads up of, hey, you know, there might be some information about a Jedi that you can find. He goes back to, well, I forget what the... He's going to see the Mandalorians. Oh, yeah. He's finally still looking for the Mandalorians and he's told that there's a... That there's oh, yeah, basically right. an informant saying that, hey, there's actually Mandalorians on this planet. And so it just so happens that this person wants you to deliver her to this particular planet that she lives on because she's trying to reunite with her husband. Then you find out she's a, tro- a frog lady. And so this frog lady's trying to get back with her babies, her, her giant weird jar thing of eggs. And they're flying basically. It's like a road trip to this planet. And danger ensues. Yeah, yeah. So um, just before that, uh, you know, we get to see Amy Sedaris's character again, which is really awesome. Yeah, it's who's neat. in the on Tatooine. Yeah, on Tatooine, who's in the first season as well. And again, like you, you mentioned it, they do a really good job of bringing back these like recurring characters without them being like kind of center stage. I really like Amy Sedaris. Uh, I know her best from BoJack Horseman as Princess Caroline. For sure, yeah. And it's kind of jarring to see that same voice come out of an actual human being. If a that makes bit, sense, yeah. 
Um, but I really like her character, and I love, you know, how, how much she loves Baby Yoda, like the child, whenever they're together on screen. It's super cute. And she pretty much uh, sets Mando up with the frog lady to, to, to deliver her um, to her husband because she has eggs that need to be fertilized, and if they don't get fertilized, her entire bloodline will die. So the stakes are very high. For this frog lady. Yeah, for this frog lady. And, you know, Mando and her go on a little trip, and there's a lot of, you know, subtle, like, kind of comedic comedic moments in this episode. But when you really think about it, it's fucked up because, you know, Baby Yoda is quite literally eating her eggs yes. like, throughout the like throughout the episode like multiple times and just because they set the stage ahead of time that like this is her last possible chance to have kin yeah, yeah. you realize that he's kind of performing like almost genocide on her on her bloodline <laughs> to a certain extent right, he doesn't know any better though yeah, he does it it's and it's it's played off as like this really cute thing which it is it's funny like it's i was a very star wars moment based on like the other quirky comedy that's in star wars even just yoda as a character yeah initially like it, when you meet him in empire strikes back he's kind of a quirky character and that's kind of what's happening here too it's pretty funny yeah i was I, laughing like the whole way me through, too <laughs> but people didn't take it like people were freaking out about this yeah Did like people complained that? about it online uh, it's it's probably like a super small amount of people i i, I don't want to give that any credence uh, yeah, it's but yeah. I don't know. Like to me, I thought about it after. I was like, yeah, that is pretty fucked up. And then like people like just blew it out of proportion online. Like how could they do this? Blah 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 blah. And it's just like, all right, come on, come on. This is literally a TV show. It's funny. Like it's literally meant to be a gag. And um, she made it home. Yeah, she did make she it. She made home. it home, and it was all okay. Yeah. Okay? Like, geez, stop. Over yeah. Reacting. Then her husband just freaking fertilized all those eggs, dude. Yeah, exactly. And they then they had a child, a single one, I think. Wasn't it just like a single child that was got it? birth? I don't remember that part. Maybe it was just I don't know. I, I thought it was just a single child. But that yeah. episode is pretty crazy. The giant spider, giant spiders, and the yeah. giant spider reminded me a little bit of Harry Potter. So have we seen the giant spider in anything other than in Star Wars? Yeah, like in, in the Not movies and seen, stuff. No. The only thing, like I know that's part of like expanded universe and all the lore and stuff. But most recently, where we saw that is Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, the EA published game developed by Respawn. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, we, we, we saw that with Cal Kestis and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which uh, I'll get into, but I was kind of hoping he would almost be folded into this uh, th- this series again. Oh, interesting. That would have been cool. Um, but, but obviously that didn't happen. But yeah, I don't know. I thought this episode was really good. I thought it improved, again, like on the series itself. It's better than any of the episodes in the first season, and I was excited to keep on watching it. The, the practical effects in this series are top tier like oh they are yeah unmatched in any like tv series like on on the air right now i would argue it has that very it's a very authentic feel and it kind of uh it really matches like the tone and the aesthetics of the original uh series and even like phantom menace as an example um where phantom menace like it's other than you know jar jar binks well a lot of that movie was practical effects a lot of it's cg yeah I think they really go like very George hard. George Lucas goes a lot harder CG-wise. In Attack of the Clones especially. But and in Phantom Menace. Yeah. Yeah, but I feel like that one still had a lot of practical effects. Maybe I'm just thinking of it through... I don't know. Like, what? 
like the pod racing and all that sort of stuff. Well, part of that was practical. Was it not practical? Like like effects and all that stuff? Was that all CG? There's a lot of CG. That was mm. the critici- one of the criticisms of the, of the prequels is that they didn't really do much in terms of practical effects. Yeah, maybe I'm sure they did maybe some I'm practical effects, it. but they were taking advantage of computer graphics and some of the scenes in that are a little bit jarring in both Attack of the Clones and in Phantom Menace because they're clearly CG. Yeah. And then they start they go back with um Force Awakens back to more practical effects. JJ Abrams is just doing like a callback to the the beginning, which is kind of neat. Yeah. But as we get to the third episode or chapter 11 of the, the entire Aris. series, the Eris. This was super interesting, directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. Daughter of Ronald Howard. In which he actually makes a callback to one of his movies. Did Apollo, you see that? yeah, Apollo thirteen. Yeah, it's a, like a direct callback, like shot for shot. It's pretty cool how they do that. But he now, the Mandalorian, meets three Mandalorians. Yeah, and they basically go on an adventure together to try and. Well, they're basically going to tell him where to go to meet a Jedi. Correct. But in exchange, of course, they ask him to do something for them. And so he's asked to... Essentially just, like, seize weapons from, like, an Imperial base. Yes, right. Um, like an Imperial freighter, if I recall correctly. Yeah, it was a freighter just about to lift off. Yeah. So it's like almost like a, it's a heist. Yeah, exactly. It's a train heist, kind of. Which is super cool. I, I really like this episode as well. They bring in a character from uh, the Clone Wars series, Bo-Katan, as yeah. far as I'm aware. Yeah, uh, again, right. a character created by Dave Filoni. Um, she is played by Katie Sackhoff if I recall correctly. Yeah, who's in Battlestar Galactic as one of her major roles. Oh, I, I don't know that, to be honest with you. few years, yeah. Um, and yeah, Bo-Katan's a pretty cool character. Again, I'm not too familiar with the Clone Wars or Rebels or whichever one she's in. I think she's in one or both of them. Right. I, I think she's in Clone Wars. Uh, but she seems a little bit more morally gray than we're used to, I feel like. Especially from a Mandalorian in which we're kind of told that they have a specific strict code. But she doesn't seem to follow any kind of strict code. No, she takes off her helmet, doesn't really care about any of that stuff. And, uh, yeah, just really... She's just trying to restore the glory of Mandalore. Yeah. That seems to be her main goal in all of uh, the situation. And she doesn't... She seems right early on in that episode to have a pretty uh, big vendetta against... The Empire? Oh, uh, Moff Gideon. Uh, John Carlo Esposito's character. Yeah. yeah, Moff Gideon. And so she's basically... Out to get Moff Gideon. It's also got a pretty cool cameo from the Lost actor, who I know him most from Lost, but he's also in the uh, in a, a detective show uh, more recently. But Titus Welliver, who basically plays the Man in Black in Lost, and he plays the oh, yeah. Imperial uh, captain or the Imperial commander on on the board of the freighter, and he's really cool. I kind of wished he continued being in the show because he's got a pretty good presence, much like Giancarlo Esposito. Giancarlo Esposito just plays, he's just plays such a compelling and very scary, intimidating villain in everything. You said, I think it, it was you, you sent me a, like a, it was an Onion article or something like that, but the idea yeah. of anything with Giancarlo, as soon as you add Giancarlo Esposito to the cast, as you realize that you're basically royally... Yeah, the main characters are fucked. <laughs> basically. <laughs> like a show adds Giancarlo Esposito to let the audience know that the main characters are fucked. Like something <laughs> yeah. along those lines. Which yeah, is, uh... it's true. Everything he's in, again, it's just he's extremely 
He's got a gravitas to him that's... He demands the screen, man. Oh, yeah. 100%. And he's, like, incredibly charismatic and charming in a, in, in a very dark way. Again, even in, uh, most recently, The Boys that he's in, again, plays this... You don't really know much about him, and, he, and he, he's just terrifying. He seems more frightening than Homelander in The Boys, as an example. Yeah, and, which uh, is crazy, because Homelander's clearly... He could snap at any second. Yeah, he second. could literally do whatever he wanted to, to everyone on Earth. So I, I really liked that. Um, I, yeah, John Carlo Esposito. He's 10 out of 10, man. I'd also like to mention that John Favreau has written all of the episodes that we've talked about so far, and he also writes the next episode as well. Mm-hmm. Once the Mandalorian finds, you know helps the other Mandalorians with their quest. He finds out the location of where... A Jedi named Ahsoka Tano uh, is located. Exactly. Actually, before we get there, just to be clear, that planet they were were on, I can't remember the name of it, but in that episode for the Eris. But just keep in mind, those weird squid monsters were like Davy Jones. They're like friggin', uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, Very. um, I definitely agree with you. They're very Lovecraftian in their style, and it's very much um, Cthulhu. A very yeah. Cthulhu-esque. <laughs> the fact that the Mandalorian even trusts those freaking men automatically is like, really? You trust those guys? They're like the most sleazy type of person you'd ever want to see. They have squid faces. They, they look terrifying, and of course they betrayed him. Yeah, predictably. Of it would have been funnier if they were actually the nicest people. Yeah. But they weren't. Because and Baby Yoda almost thing. died, actually. Yeah. At the beginning of the episode. Yeah, which is messed up. Which is crazy. But anyways, moving on. He finds the location of Ahsoka Tano, a Jedi. So he can finally bring Baby Yoda, who he knows to be a Jedi, back to his people. Again, let's just move on to episode four. Uh, the siege, in this case. He finds out the location of Ahsoka Tano, but his, his ship is repaired with wood. Yeah, it's like absolutely It's a wrecked. spaceship. Yeah. So... It was wrecked in the previous episode because the spider messed it up. Mm. And so he basically barely gets to the planet with the squid people where he meets the Mandalorians in the first place because he's just like running on fumes to begin with because the spider, again, messed up his ship royally. And so then he finally gets to that squid planet and he gets somebody to try and fix it. I think it was um, was specifically a uh, Mon Calamari Mm -hmm. that he gets to try and fix the, the ship. And at the end, he's like, damn Mon Calamari because like he pays them so much money and he don't do anything to fix the ship so they fly he flies away he's fixed with wood he doesn't make it it's pretty much the equivalent of using duct tape to fix anything basically yeah and then again he barely makes it to the initial the planet that he's in on initially when he meets Carl Weathers character yeah what is the guy's name Grief Grief Karga right I believe so yeah yeah it's Grief Karga uh, and he meets them on Navarro so he goes back there to back actually to get his ship fully fixed up. Gina Carano's still there. Her character, Cara Dune. Mm-hmm. And Reef Garga... Reef... Is it Reef? It's Grief. Is it Grief? It's Grief, yeah. He's a sad guy? Yeah. It's okay. Grief Karga. Grief Karga. Uh, it was Carl Weathers, who, who was such a great character in general. Carl Weathers? <laughs> Indeed. It is. And so they again now they're gonna do it's basically another heist mission. It is. There's a lot of heist missions in this. It's a, it's a heist movie. It's just a hi- giant heist, heist after heist after heist. It's so fun. It is it's so, so fun. fun. And the action sequences are all amazing. Yeah, it's I just agree. So completely. exciting, man! I'm gonna miss this season for the like, this series for the next again another twelve months. It's sad. Yeah, year. Yeah. Did they announce when season three is coming? No, out? and because the book of Boba Fett's coming out in 2021, like we might have to wait until 2022. Yeah, Ugh. it's rough. But anyways, so they're going to do another siege. So it's again, Grief uh, Karga and uh, Cara Dune. They're going to go into another Imperial base and they're going to try and blow it up. Yeah, yeah. They're just going to blow it up. And yeah. so 
because they're worried that there's imperial soldiers and that they're going to descend on the town and so there's there's a worry there so they go in to blow it up it's a heist movie to explode the <laughs> explode the base and so when they get there they discover crazy stuff about the fact that Baby Yoda, they were trying to clone him, which we kind of figured kind of already. Cause yeah, the, because the first guy, um, played by... Played by uh, Omid Abtahi, mm-hmm. who plays uh, Dr. Pershing, who's, who is clearly he's wearing like the... I think it's the Geonosian clones, cloning symbol. Yeah. Like he's a cloning doctor. Yeah, from like the first season, like episode... When we meet him, I think in episode one or two. One or two, yeah. yeah. And so we, we see him and... We see you see him in a recording. I think that's that's what we see yep. in this this base, and they realize there's some serious shit going down. The yeah. Imperials that are the new new order, whatever is going to become the new order, the new the Imperial Renaissance. That those guys are up to no good, and they were trying to basically clone Baby Yoda, and they're clearly trying to get him back. Which we discover by the end of the episode that the ship is actually track has a tracking device on it. At, by the end of the episode, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a surprise. But again, what a great episode in general. We also meet, the once again, <laughs> the guy he catches. in, in ep- Again, you just keep getting all these characters from all of the other episodes in this each each episode has like another cameo from a, like another episode in which we met another cool character. The very first episode of this show, The Mandalorian, it's called The Mandalorian, we meet the blue guy. Who he captures in the very beginning, and now he's in the siege episode, and he's just a basically a coward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's his role. He is. He's, he's just basically a coward. But again, all like the 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 cool thing as well is that bringing back all these stu- stormtroopers and having them like kill these stormtroopers. It's just the I've never seen so many stormtroopers die. I feel like, and no, they're honestly. also killed pretty viciously. I'm surprised for a Disney property that they've. I think that they're more violent with the stormtroopers than I've ever seen stormtroopers die in like the original series or well, even like the prequel series. Yeah, well, we like, see like even, a stormtrooper get like stabbed, you know, yeah. stabbed with like a spear, and then their necks like snapped, like literally, yeah, like, they, like snapped in the air and then snapped. Yeah, there's something crazy. Yeah, there's even some aggressive violence. Bo-Katan mm-hmm. on the on the. The one where they were actually doing the siege on the like, yep. train, the train job. That that one, they're again, she pretty much slices everyone up with knives. Yeah, man, she's messed up. So uh, one thing that we kind of failed to mention about Bo-Katan as well is like the, her whole point of trying to get Moff Gideon and to restore Mandalore to its former glory. She wants to get the dark saber from Moff Gideon as well, which we discover. Yeah, yeah, as which well, we in discover that episode, the, the heiress. Yeah, yeah, that's um, true too. We also see the dark saber for the first time in in the Mandalorian at the literally the season finale of season one so uh, right so we know exactly what we're talking what she's talking about exactly and kind so, of why she wants it so yeah sorry to do a quick aside there we just thought i would uh, add that in because uh, that that actually plays a big part in the finale of the series yeah sorry and, uh, season and so now we're at the point where this episode ends although they set up now rangers of the republic because cara dune the the one of the the gentlemen from previous episode mm-hmm. or the previous two episodes ago they land on navarro and she gets like a, a ranger's badge or whatever for to become a ranger of the republic yeah. or whatever and so that was kind of interesting he kind of guilted her into it the weird thing is that he says something really asshole-ish do you remember that he says something about her planet and it's like a very is like do you miss your family who died on the planet <laughs> it's like yeah oh. obviously you dickhead what oh yeah with alderaan like, that was like a really weird line though oh like, when he's like no oh. one could have delivered that properly because it was really stupid yeah wasn't it like oh you, like 
Uh, like you had family on Alderaan. Like, did you lose people? Like, did you lose people? Like, yeah, the whole planet. Yeah, the planet was literally everyone fucking asshole. died. I lived man. there. I, of yeah, course, what, I lost people. Yeah, you fucking prick. The planet blew up. <laughs> I feel like whoever wrote that didn't think about the fact that I guess it's kind of hard to comprehend your planet blew yeah, up. Yeah, it's like, dude, the, literally the entire planet blew up. Everyone on it died. <laughs> Every <laughs> single person that was on that, that planet. Was like the, at I that think time. that's the worst line in the series so far. Yeah. <laughs> if you really think about it, it's, it's, it's that's a piece of dialogue from like Clone Wars. Oh, sorry, Attack of the Clones. Yeah, yeah. I always get those two names confused. I don't know what it is. Attack of the Clones. Your worst. favorite movie in the Star Wars. Actually, it's funny. I think that's your second worst movie now. Yeah, it's my it second. It used to be your worst favorite movie. Worst favorite. It is my worst favorite movie. <laughs> it was my second worst favorite movie. It, it, it's, it's the now movie you second. like the least. It used to be the movie you like the least in the Star Wars universe specifically, but now it seems to be, very much seems to be. The Han Solo Solo movie called Solo. Let's no, start. you like I know, Solo. I like Solo. I'm messing with you. It's Rise of Skywalker. Fuck yeah, that okay, movie. Okay, okay, yeah. I so anyways, you. okay, so we get past the siege. We get past it. We get past it. Mm-hmm. We're on episode 13 or 5 of season 2. Right. This one is called The Jedi, and this is my favorite episode of this series. Ooh. This is where we get introduced to Ahsoka Tana. Indeed. Ahsoka Tano, sorry. Who is a big player in the Clone Wars series. And now has her own series coming out in 2022 or something. Exactly. Played by Rosario Dawson. Who does an awesome job. I really, really like Rosario Dawson. Everything she's in, she's a phenomenal actress. They just did a great job with the makeup here, Dude, too, it was though. so good. It was so good. And I don't have much attachment to um, Ahsoka Tano. This episode, again, um, written by and directed by Dave Filoni. Which is, yeah. who Who makes sense because he literally created the character of Ahsoka. And the way this episode starts off is the coolest thing ever. Where the fog is slowly blowing in, and you know, it you feels see, like almost like an animated show. It, it reminded it me does. when I was watching it. There's moments where she's fighting certain people, and there's just shots that there are done that were like almost like the frames of one of the great things actually about this whole series. At the very end of every episode, they show the concept art, and it felt like the concept art in certain elements more than any other episode. Like I that agree. kind of fog idea. It's just so well done. I agree. Yeah, and and yeah, it's like she's like this ninja, like this assassin, and you just see like the light of the lightsaber go on a quick slight, like swipe, and then it just disappears. And yeah. you know, and you and just feel like, like a, the footsteps. It's a white white lightsaber as well. Yeah, I know. It's so cool. Sweet. Yeah, I'm a big fan. This episode was like the coolest, and I'm being a little bit hypocritical because this is kind of where it falls into like this is really a small universe because how like Mando not only you know is meets Boba Fett. He meets, you know, now Ahsoka Tano. That's like not a Jedi. so unbelievable. You know why? Why? In this case, this why? part. The Boba thing may be a little bit more so, but he'd already been on Tatooine, so it's not crazy. If Boba is alive, yeah. he would still be on Tatooine. But the, the thing for me is that the Jedi were killed. There's no Jedi left. There's barely anyone. So for me, that's not a small universe problem because I don't really see that as an issue because everyone was killed. They're being hunted like by the Yeah, I guess the there's Empire. only a finite amount of there can't Jedi be money left. Like they're all hiding sorry, somehow, and they're doing something, but there's so few. Like what? Cal Kestis, I guess they can bring in. I'm sure they can create create yeah, another if he, character if he, if he lives. But why create another character? Because we've never seen live action Ahsoka Tano yet. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a good thing to to see her. Yeah, I'm more than happy that they brought them, like brought her in. Again, it's my favorite episode. Yeah, yeah. And that, this it. is why I'm referring to like me being a hypocrite of being like I feel like it's small universe, but I loved this the most. Sure. It does the perfect amount of, you know, fan service and it does it incredibly well. And, you know, the reason why Mando wants to meet Ahsoka is for her to train 
um, who we find out uh, his name is Grog- Grogu. Grogu, yeah. Or her name, right? She's known to be a female, isn't it? Do they do they ever say the sex of Baby Yoda? It's a guy. It is? He's not Grogu Grogu's a, a guy, right? I could have sworn they mentioned that it's a woman at one point. I could be wrong. It's a it's a dude. It's a dude. Yeah, he's male. I was wrong. I was he's wrong. male. Yeah. Um but yeah, so the the point of, you know, Mando trying to find a Jedi who ends up being Ahsoka is because he needs someone to take over caring for the child, who we find out is named Grogu, to develop him into a Jedi proper, you know, to learn how to use his powers and everything like that. Exactly. And um, we quickly find out that Ahsoka is not willing to train him. Right, because he was already sort of trained in the Jedi Temple in Coruscant initially, yeah. and somehow he escaped the murderous Anakin, Anakin. Skywalker. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, she decides that he's been he's grown attached. The reason why she won't train him is interestingly because he's grown attached to someone. Which is so interesting, like the I get it's like the idea of I don't know uh, some religions again. You just can't love mm-hmm. anything but God. You can't love anything but the Force. I guess in this case, the idea is if you have an attachment, though, then you can be potentially manipulated emotionally. And so to have that amount of emotion for somebody like the Mandalorian mm-hmm. was a problem for her. Yeah, and it makes sense because again, Anakin trained her. She she loved Anakin. She knew Anakin, and she saw what love for someone can do because Anakin's love for Padme was really his downfall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, like she, she was Anakin's Padawan and she saw her master, you know, fall to the dark side because of his attachment to someone. Right, yeah. So her knowing that and experiencing that firsthand, she refuses to train Grogu, which I think is such a cool plot element. Again, they do such a great job by making the prequel movies better than they are. I think what Star Wars has gotten right minus Rise of Skywalker again, is that they've literally made movies retroactively better. Rogue One makes yeah. A New Hope retroactively better. Um, and then in this case, well, uh, you could also say that for the Clone Wars TV series, but in this episode as well, it retroactively makes the prequel series a little bit better too. It adds that extra layer of like dimension. For sure. And uh, except for, again, Rise of Skywalker is an outlier because we haven't seen anything get better that way. Yeah, exactly. Not yet anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully someone can fix it. <laughs> we'll please, see. please. Because so far the trying to fix it has just been worse. Because again, the the weird retcons again. That I didn't know about the Ray and Kylo thing. Where Dude, the fact ridiculous. that the kiss is not—it's a friendship kiss. What oh are you talking God, about? Fucking. <laughs> That's ridiculous. God, fuck that movie, man. It's wild. Jesus. Anyways, crazy stuff. God damn it. But yeah, that's a. Amazing episode. Uh, I should also mention that we learned that Beskar is able to block lightsabers, which is also awesome, awesome. Yes, that is really cool. It's a really good uh, and, uh, addition. It's a good. It's a good setup for later on in the season. Yeah, which definitely. Is, which is fantastic as well. And uh, yeah, then and this is the episode where Mando gets a f- cool spear made he, out of Beskar as well, he which I a, love. He gets a cool spear, but let's just mention that lightsaber fight at the end. Mm-hmm. That whole battle at the end in that town and that lightsaber fight, that's the moment that I feel like it's the concept art uh, encapsulated. It's that, It's just that moment on that weird bridge where there's water on either side, so, yep. so it's like a koi pond. <laughs> it feels like a and boss fight. You know? It does, it, yeah. and it's just such an awesome fight. Well, that's. I think there was silence, if I recall. Was there even a score? By the way, no, the it was score, silence. You just hear the, yes. the the bang of the metal exactly. and the lightsaber. Because and... Mandalorian's listening to it as that weird guard guy. The mer- He's a mercenary, essentially, yeah. that this lady has hired. That town, by the way, that, that was just a corrupt garbage town that they basically enslaved people so mm-hmm. it, it was a lot of, very justified and it was nice to see these people lose because they were just 
they're slavers. Yeah, they're, they're dicks. Yeah, they're terrible. And so the mercenaries, the mercenary, you clearly know that he's going to be he's going to be trouble right mm. from the moment you see him. But they set him up in the very beginning of the episode only to make him this formidable villain going forward. It was very smart the way that they they showed him as this guy who's got all this equipment, and this big gun, and like you know that Mandal- like Mando's going to fight him. That's just yeah. going to happen for sure. And so they're fighting together while Ahsoka Tano is fighting the the, the heiress of the town or whatever. Uh, I think it's Elsbeth. Yeah, Elsbeth. Elsbeth, yeah. Is the name of the the woman. And uh, yeah, during that fi- uh, fight, Ahsoka name drops a character that's part of Star Wars Legends. Oh, yeah. Good Granted call. Admiral Thrawn. Who's, who, who's, there's a lot of books about like that are not canon anymore, but they definitely are going to incorporate. Yeah, the the, 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 the Thrawn trilogy is like one of the be, like biggest, the best, the best versions re- of what the Star Wars Legends is. Canon stuff is. Yeah, so it's obviously that was setting up like what Ahsoka, the Ahsoka series is going to be about. It's obviously going to be Ahsoka looking for Grand Admiral Thrawn, which is a cool little setup. But yeah, I just thought that was a neat way to bring in again more of this expanded universe. That, that must be what they're going to dive into with 100%, the series. Hundred percent. Her going after Admiral Thrawn. So again, it makes me very excited. Like I'm, I'm super stoked for this Ahsoka Tano series, and uh, we we briefly talked about it on this week's uh, Split Focus episode, episode 25, uh, where lovely Ken wrote into us, uh, who is practically a host on that show because he's in every single episode at this point, except Featured for one. Somehow. Um, but he mentions that the Ahsoka Tano series uh, hasn't. We ha- we don't know who the showrunner is. With this episode alone, I hope to God it is Dave Filoni. It would be because cool. he. I do want him to be a part of a big part of the the Mandalorian season three though. Oh no, definitely. Interestingly, man. I think John Favreau had a bigger role this season though than he did last season. In the first series, the season it just yeah. seemed like that based upon how much involvement he had in writing almost every episode. Well, yeah, he wrote six out of the eight episodes. The only two episodes he didn't write were The the Jedi, which is the the episode where Ahsoka is introduced, and then he didn't write episode seven either. Well, it's actually around the same number. Actually, he, he actually wrote this almost the same number, to be honest, hmm. from the season one, so that's actually not correct. It's almost the same. He's just so heavily involved, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but anyways, at the end of the episode, you know, Ahsoka, again, refuses to teach Grogu and then tells Man- uh, Mando about a place that um, he can go to, the ancient temple on Tython, uh, where he can place uh, Grogu on a pedestal and he can reach out to Jedi nearby to come meet him. Yeah. Um, and the that's kind of where we lead into chapter 14, The Tragedy. Again, the sixth episode in the series where we finally get Boba Fett's full on return. Yeah. Which is so fantastic. It was amazing. And we can finally see the Boba Fett everyone thought he was. Like you, you mentioned this at the beginning of this. Like this is the Boba Fett everyone assumed Boba Fett was, but we never actually witnessed. Right. We just assumed he's the coolest guy ever. But in reality, it's like we haven't we didn't see him do anything cool. No. Yeah. Again, other than uh, I mean, no, he's the, he was he was king of cool. Like he, he yeah. just doesn't say much. He's like a quiet, he's quiet confidence. Yeah. And, and then he dies suddenly by getting hit into a Sarlacc pit. Exactly. Um, but he survived it, so that's cool. Yeah, it is. And um, I just really like, you know, Mando brings Grogu there, puts Grogu on the temple, and then all of a sudden Grogu yeah. starts meditating. At the worst possible time, mind you. So as soon as Quite the ship like, uh, cracks the atmosphere in this planet, then he's like, he's having trouble doing the meditation. The baby Yoda is just, you know... Just sitting there, looking around, doesn't want to do anything. And then all of a sudden, as soon as a, some ship shows up, then Yoda decides to... Uh, I keep calling him Yoda. Grogu. Uh, Grogu decides to uh, meditate and 
commune with the force for a good 30 minutes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and then the best ship honestly in my opinion in Star Wars shows up. I mean, that's it's a, it's it a is a ship. It's a ball and ship. Slave 1, which is obviously Boba's ship and you can actually play it in Battlefront. That's actually my favorite thing in Battlefront 2. Yeah. You play Boba's ship. It's like one of the legendary ships you can play. You can play the Millennium Falcon. You can play Slave 1. Slave 1 is just such a cool ship. And it's got so many gadgets and neat things in it. It's a it's fantastic. And so when it hits the atmosphere, I knew exactly who it was. My girlfriend didn't know because she's not a huge Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, no. I was like, oh, my goodness. Here we go. And, uh, yeah, we see Fett come off the ship with Fennec. Yeah, who we thought we, was dead. Yeah, exactly. Played by Ming-Na Wen, who is probably best known for her role as Mulan in the original Mulan movie. Yeah, voice of Mulan. And she's yeah. also in um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for pretty much the whole series. Yeah. And uh, I really like Fennec's character. She's she's badass. She was badass in, when we really get cool. introduced her in season one, but I feel like they even take it up a notch in this episode. You know, her being the quite literally best sharpshooter in the galaxy, like doesn't miss a shot. I love that sort of um, idea. And of course, yeah, we get Boba Fett and he's following Mando because he wants his goddamn armor back that Mando, you know, got off Cobb Vanth. And uh, from there, honestly, uh, yeah, chaos kind of ensues. We get uh, Fett, you know, like meeting up with Mando and he's been chasing Mando to get his goddamn armor back. Yeah. And yeah, they have a kind of a conversation. Mando doesn't want to give the armor back. Interestingly, Fett's not that aggressive. Like he just wants, he's, he's polite and he's like, this is actually mine and I would like it back. Yeah, my dad's. Yeah, it's like, it's it's mine. But he kind of understands, I think he just respects, which is awesome, Din Djarin's code, which is really cool. Like the Mandalorian's code. He, He cares about, I guess because his dad was a Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Like Django was a Mandalorian, and so he doesn't he doesn't laugh at it or just be aggressive and say like "give it back, you bastard," and then try and shoot him. He actually they don't fight, which is actually notable in one way because it just you'd think that they might, mm-hmm. but then it never comes to that, which is quite neat. Well, yeah, it partially doesn't come to that because Fennec it literally has a sniper rifle on <laughs> Grogu. Well, that and <laughs> the Imperial troopers land. And Correct. So that, that's a. That's a quite quite the moment, and then that's a huge battle scene. That's a great battle scene, and Boba Fett doesn't have his armor. He's just Boba Fett with this weird Tusken Raider staff thing, mm-hmm. and, then, and he's wrecking people. The plastic helmets or whatever that material is that their their helmets and uh, the stormtroopers' outfits are made out of, they're just being wrecked by this guy. This guy's breaking them in half. Yeah. He's breaking the armor in like pieces. One one quick thing. What yeah. the fuck is the point of the stormtrooper armor? It, it it seems like the most useless piece of armor of all That's time ever created. A simple gunshot will kill them. It can be broken by a wooden stick. Like what is that? The was point no wooden this? stick. It was metal. Yeah, guys holding like a form. What the hell is that? It's but a giant all, like poker. But also like the freaking Ewoks in uh, Return of the Jedi just beat the shit out of them. <laughs> the wooden like what is the purpose of this armor? I think it's like if it's somebody, cool. It does look cool. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> I think it that. protects you like a direct like knife wound or like you know what I mean. Like if you, I get, feel like it would just break. I feel like it would just it would just well it depends on how hard you <laughs> hit them. Yeah, it I, feel like it, seem, I feel like you could break it with a butter knife going at about it's not the greatest material about five kilometers an hour with a butter knife. I feel like it would shatter. it. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> it's possible. But anyways, yeah, so then they're fighting, they're fighting, and Grogu's on this mountain. The Mandalorian goes back up the mountain to stop Grogu from communing with the Force to get him out of this trance so he can get the hell out of here on the Razor Crest, like his ship. And uh, and Grogu's not listening. 
Grogu no. doesn't care, and I don't think Grogu even hears him at all. So he's, he's deep in meditation, baby. So he's again commuting to to get this Jedi, some Jedi, to come find him. Who could it be? We wonder. <laughs> I don't know. And so afterwards, like the Mandalorian gets knocked out for a moment, and then he eventually wakes up, and then he goes to he goes down to to help Boba Fett and Fennec fight these people, mm-hmm. and then they're kind of in dire straits. And then, as soon as Mando walks down that hill. Grogu snaps out of the meditation. Of course he does. But then after that as well, I know that was tragic. Yeah. And then the Grogu's like just confused. Like, where where am I? Oh, I'm an idiot. I'm a dumb piece of shit. Whoa, whoa. Where am I? Oh, oh. I'm so He's adorable. Cute. He is cute. I'm a lovable character in this series. But he is. He is. I'm not. I'm Why not, are you making fun of this? I'm not at all. I'm Why just you, using you this talk tone. like this the whole rest of the episode? Yes. <laughs> okay, stop it. Um, no, I was not. That, that's also notable, but... Boba Fett gets the keys to the Razor Crest, gets his armor back all of a sudden, and he wrecks shit up. He just mercs everyone. He oh, just fucks them all the up. The coolest Boba Fett moment, actually, so far. And they did it justice. The choreography of him like shooting over his shoulder, not even looking. One of the, the containers of troopers trying to escape because they realize they're royally screwed. Yeah. And then he just like fires a missile and takes it out. Exactly. With another one, they cl- crash into each other. The funny line was... I didn't actually. I was actually aiming for the other one. Yeah, but still fantastic. And uh, <laughs> my girlfriend actually laughed. She's like, "He looks ridiculous in that skirt because <laughs> he's wearing he's it's wearing a kilt. like yeah, yeah, sure. It's a kilt, okay? I think he looked awesome. I think and he looks Tamura, freaking awesome. Let's just mention Tamura Morrison. Let's not like slide over this. I'm so glad that it's him for probably the book. Of, I I hope the oh, book 100%. of Boba Fett. Yeah, and of he's such a great actor. Well, at the very least, he does a great job in this role, specifically as Boba Fett. And his voice is iconic, and it, they've done a great modulation to make it sound exactly as it should. I've always had a respect in the prequels also for the clone troopers and how they all look the same. And there was that General Kenobi type idea. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? All the clone troopers. When, for instance, they land on that... Uh, the planet to take down Grievous. Mm-hmm. And they're all fighting alongside Kenobi, and then they, they turn on him eventually. But the idea of who those... The, the captain is an example. I, I can't remember. There was a captain in, in uh, Friends of the Sith that was notable. That Again, played by Tamora Morrison. I just like that actor. He's cool, and he's such an iconic character in Star Wars because of the prequels. So great, and he does such a great job in this episode. And again, that's why I'm excited for the book of Boba Fett. Because it's Tamora man. Morrison more than anything else. And Ming-Na Wen, by the way, I should note, understate. She is actually awesome. She's so cool. She's one of the highlights in Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yep. And specifically, she's badass in everything she is in. To, to note this, actually, she actually won an award at one of the Disney events. I think it was last year because she's in the three tenets of what Disney is right now. Star Wars, Marvel, and in Disney. Like, basic Disney. Yeah. In an animated film. That's a, cool, like yeah, a, that's a cool observation. I didn't really think about that. She's super cool. Um, yeah. So that's really cool too. But yeah, so Boba Fett wrecks shit up. But then the Dark Troopers come. And, and they so steal Grogu, they baby. Stole, steal Grogu. And it was like a shocking moment in some capacity. Again, girlfriend was like, what? They didn't make it to the top of the hill to save Grogu in time? They didn't. She exclaims. They didn't. And the episode ends, if I recall... Uh, with uh, Mando talking to Cara Dune, asking to release uh, Miggs Mayfield from the New Republic prison. Who's played by Bill, Bill Burr, Burr, the comedian Bill Burr, who's exactly. a great actor. And it's honestly awesome. He's very similar to other characters he plays, but he is a good actor in that he plays 
a natural person. Like he doesn't seem like he's forcing his acting ability, and yeah. he's always funny in every role he's in. Yeah, he when he's in really Breaking Bad, he's funny. He's he only, by the way, seems to be Bill Burr only acts in roles that are the biggest franchises ever. Honestly, you know yeah. what I mean? I, like, it, yeah, it seems like he picks and chooses what he wants to be in, and everything that he's in is of high quality. John Favreau apparently called him to to enlist him for the role. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that was, that was what happened. Apparently, he knew John Favreau was somewhere else, and he apparently called him for the initial role when he plays the in that episode in season one. That episode, by the way, in season one with the red, that was another heist mission. Mm-hmm. That was why they kind of go and grab this guy because they he's. He he's knows. good at heist. He's good at heist, but he's good at heist, baby. They're like assembling the team, which is really cool in the next episode when they yeah. when they grab him. But that episode, that heist episode in season one, is phenomenal. You said that every episode in season two is better than season one. That particular episode stands out to me as, as one of the one of the greatest episodes of the mm-hmm. series. To be honest, the I first really love episode that episode as well. It's pretty cool. But uh, I don't know. I still stand by it. I think every episode of this series is still... This season is still better than the first season. That's fair. But, yeah, I don't know. The, by the way, at the end of this episode, the, the tragedy. Yep. Uh, by, by the way, directed by Robert Rodriguez, best known for Spy oh, Kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we didn't even mention that. The best known for Spy Kids. <laughs> exactly. Grogu is like wrecking the stormtroopers up. Yeah. And it kind of proves Ahsoka Tona, Tana... Tano. Tano. I'm messing up names badly. Uh, her Moana. Ahsoka's eh, Moana. Ahsoka Moana. <laughs> Let me say my point. <laughs> Ahsoka's point, which was basically that we can't, I can't train this guy because he's too emotional, and he was separated from the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. and lo and behold, he's now doing something pretty evil. Like he's just toying with the freaking stormtroopers. He's not even escaping. He's just torturing them. He's just bouncing them against the walls. Yeah, it's like killer whales in captivity playing with their like playing with the their food. Yeah, and Moff Gideon comes in. And he's just laughing because he's like, "This is what I wanted." <laughs> yeah, the one, my one disappointment. I wish he just fucking snapped Moff Gideon's neck. Imagine. I know. Wouldn't have been amazing. Like, imagine if that's how like oh. he got killed off. It would be just, so shocking. Grogu seems too child. He's not mature enough to do yeah. anything, unfortunately. So like, he doesn't he, even kill those stormtroopers. He just messes with he's them. Fifty years old and freaking immature as shit. Yeah, I know. What he's got to be like. I think he's got to be like 150 for like. Yoda, like anywhere close to Yoda level. He's like maturity. a few hundred years in dog years old. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. That's a reference to not this episode. I don't know if you realize that. No, I know it's not. Recording that. this at the same time, but that's a reference to <laughs> episode 25 of the Split Focus podcast. But, anyways, um, yeah, so the next episode. The next episode is uh, chapter 15, The Believer. This one is interesting because it's directed and written by rick fem definitely butchered his he uh, did an episode in uh season he, one he directed an episode in season one as well it's interesting because this guy i don't know him for much i kind of looked at uh like what he's been in he did the wood in 1999 brown sugar 2002 talk to me 2007 dope 2015 and you know just a, a few other movies and stuff but it seems like he hasn't done much it it, it he definitely seems like the, not necessarily underdog, but the person that just didn't have much experience up until this point. Well, Bryce you know? Dallas Howard hadn't had much experience either. I guess you make she's a good actor, point there, but yeah. like, She's not like a well-known director. Yeah, you, you know, yeah, actually, you make a good point. I, I, uh, I rescind that statement. I rescind that statement. But regardless, much like the other episodes, this episode, also phenomenal. It's again this this entire season is just and it's it, funnier yeah. actually it's a funnier episode because of Bill Burr exactly everything yeah, Bill Burr is saying and the the it's almost a road movie again but this time Bill Burr and the Mandalorian 
And the fact that the Mandalorian now has to change into a different costume, or crappier, much crappier, more vulnerable costume mm. to sneak into the the Imperial base, is uh, it's kind of funny. But then Bill Burr is just like making fun of him the whole yeah. time. It's like, how are you how are you doing over there? You, you comfortable? Yeah, I comfortable really like that, their. Uh, <laughs> you comfortable in that uh, outfit? I think they play off each other incredibly well. One thing that actually we failed to mention about the last episode is that um, the Razor Crest gets straight up destroyed. So now, oh right, yeah. So Mando now doesn't so have just a ship flying around on Slave One. And yeah, Bo- Boba Fett promised uh, Mando that he would help him out. Help which him out, which is such a crazy thing. Sorry, I forgot about that. Yeah, That's he made such an a promise. Thing he made the promise because he said, "Hey, if you give me my armor back, I'll make sure Yo- Baby Yoda, Grogu is safe." Yeah. And so that was a promise that he couldn't keep because literally the the dark troopers took him away. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. Then they get to go on a nice little road trip to pick up uh, Mister Mayfield again. They spring him from prison. He's super surprised. Yeah. I really love you know like when they're when Cara Dune like shows up uh, gets uh, Mayfield and like all right we're going and he's like should I go like am I better off in prison right now am I Is going gonna to die, die? Am, I, am I gonna die <laughs> and he just kind of follows her and then you see Boba Fett walk off like Slave One he's like oh oh, oh thank God like I thought you, look you were a lot like another guy <laughs> yeah I I know and then Mando walks right off. Uh, they and do, then his face is like, oh shit. Yeah, they do a lot of really great visual gags throughout this this series, and, and he's great at acting them out. Exactly, it's just so surprising because again, Bill Burr, such a great comedian. He's improved, improved, improved. Like every comedy special, it seems like it's just he's gotten I don't know funnier, guess, better, funnier, and tighter. he was already funnier, funniest, or I guess really funny when he initially launched the first special. So he's really cool, and I sometimes listen to his podcast too. And so he's a he's a cool dude. I, I really I like him more, but and uh, this episode does a really good job. Again, one thing this show does incredibly well is making characters that once almost seem like one dimensional, two dimensional, or whatever, into very three dimensional characters. Sure. Because when we meet Mayfield in season one, you know he's just like this bad bloke. You know he's going to probably betray them. Yada yada yada. Yeah, we don't really get but, much. There's also a lot of characters in that particular episode, exactly. so we don't really get a lot of one-on-one and he's still time. like a great character then but then they really dive deep into this because there's a, a fairly emotional scene with him when he meets an old like imperial commanding officer and so May- mayfield was you know part of the imperial army at one point and uh he was part of this platoon that pretty much just got left behind by an old commanding officer and he bumps into that old commanding officer and he clearly doesn't like him very much Yes, exactly. And there's the scene the where they're at a table together. Before it's, they get to the table, though, just to, to, to oh yeah, reiterate, he's walking. They're gonna walk into the room, or he's specifically there with the Mandalorian because he needs the codes. They basically are trying to find out the location of Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon, and so they're trying to find that location. So they're they're going into this this room where it's basically the the officers' mess. So they're they're gonna go in, but it's not gonna be the Mandalorian who's just wearing a like a. I don't know, a stormtrooper's outfit. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be Mayfield because Mayfield knows the lay of the land. He's been in the Imperial Army before. And so he's going to walk in and get the location on the computer. But he's got to walk through this officer's break room, yeah. basically. But then he sees this commanding officer that he, he he thinks is going to recognize him instantly. So he's really worried about that. So he chickens out and he's like, I can't do it. We're going to get killed. I'm not doing this. This is not worth it. Just take me back to prison. And then, of course... Din uh, and the Mandalorian is definitely not going to do that. Mm-hmm. So he walks, he basically goes in for Mayfield. 
to yeah. do use this computer because he won't be registered as a imperial like a rebel or anybody on their blacklist. Yeah. So he goes in to do this, and he has to take his helmet off to do it because he needs a facial scan, which is such a I don't know I would say an emotional moment almost like it's such an interesting thing because he's got to break his code at this moment to let these random people see his face for really something he cares about more, which is interesting because all this idea of this dichotomy of where does the code matter? When does the code matter when there's ethical decisions or problems that I've got to solve when I, I, I can't, I got to choose one or the other. It's, it reminds me of, this is an extreme example, Spider-Man trying to save Mary Jane Watson on the bridge. Like, mm-hmm. is he going to go for the bus full of people or going to go for Mary Jane, Jane Watson? And so that's kind of the, the idea here. In a way, he's got to choose one or the other. And in this case, he doesn't choose his code. He's got to save Grogu. It's, it's, his, it's his one thing that he's committed to. And he really cares for the child, like a massive amount. And so it's it's really cool. And then Mayfield, instead of ch- chickening out, when that officer comes over to talk to him because he doesn't recognize this random man, the Mandalorian, typing on this computer, Mayfield saves his ass. Yeah. Which is awesome, and it's again that what you're talking about about one-dimensional characters becoming two, three-dimensional. That's huge. Like he became this character that, like he wasn't gonna be. Yeah, you thought he was just gonna be a dick. I didn't even think we were gonna see him again. That was it. He's in jail. What? 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 He's in prison. What, mm-hmm. what else can? Where else can we see him? But that was awesome. And then again, like he completely saves him in every way. The Mandalorian is a fish out of the wa- out of water. He's got his mask off, and so he just plays along with Mayfield. It's fantastic. It's he's such a I hope we see Mayfield again because he's just fantastic. But you can go on from there. You were saying that yeah. they sit down at the table with the officer. They're all sitting, the three of them. Again, the Mandalorian with his mask off again. So it's a huge thing. And yeah, Mayfield uh, keeps on digging into the the Imperial officer being like, oh. Of course he does. Yeah, you know, being like, oh, like Operation Cinder. It like. feels like a typical stubborn Bill Burr fashion too. If you listen to his podcast enough, you kind of see like he goes down these rabbit holes where he like he's very opinionated and he just – doesn't let it go <laughs> it's just hilarious yeah um and yeah he, he doesn't in the show either at all right and, specifically he doesn't let this go yeah and he's like oh you know um like a bunch of people died like do you not care sort of thing and the guy's like ah you know more people should have died blah 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 like it's the it was for the betterment of the empire and you know you just see mayfield snap and just shoot him in front of everyone and there's this brief moment of silence the interesting Where, thing is like how much he jabs this officer and the officer doesn't think twice. It's funny. He doesn't seem to react. I thought it was going to break and the officer was going to be like, who are you really? But he doesn't. He's just an asshole. Yeah. He's just like, oh, I don't really care about other lives. It's just my life that matters. And then he shoots him in the face. Yeah. It's, yeah. So, it's just, it's awesome. And, and then they look at each other and it kind of works out because all of these people have seen his face. And at the end of the moment when they kill everyone there, he says, put the helmet back on because they clear out the room of people that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's seen him. And he's basically like, I didn't see you. I didn't yeah. see you with your helmet on. You had your helmet on the whole time. It's like such a, he knows how much it means to him. And it's, it's that moment. He's clearly jabbing at him the whole time. The, the whole episode, he's jabbing at him saying, why don't you take your helmet off? What, what's the problem? What's the issue? And he doesn't kind of get it, but he accepts it. And it's that idea that's so... I don't know, it's a genuine, it's like wholesome in a way. It's neat because this thug, Mayfield, is just mm. suddenly such a caring dude. He's, he takes an arc. Yeah. Ah, it's awesome. It's fantastic. And uh, I really love at the end when uh, 
you know, they get out of the, the, the base. They meet up with Cara Dune, Fennec, uh, Fett, all of that jazz. You know, Fett comes in to save the day. And they're kind of off to the side. And, you know, they're like, oh, it looks like Mayfield died in this, uh, like, operation or whatever. It looks like he's it. worried that they're going to kill him. Yeah, and he's like, are you sure? You know what I mean? It's like, okay, I'm leaving now. Like, yeah. are you okay with that? And kind of walks off. Right. And I don't know. There's... I really, really enjoyed that, and I, I agree with you. I want Mayfield to come back because oh, I think sure. I think him and Mando—he's so much more interesting now than before. 100%. I love seeing Will Burn things, but seriously, like he's more interesting than before. The chemistry, which I'm sure you're about to mention, yeah, between the chemistry is awesome. Between yeah, Pedro Pascal and Bill Burr, even is, Cara Dune and uh, and Bill Burr. Yeah, no, I agree. Bill and Bill Burr and Mayfield. <laughs> yeah, which uh, yeah, I, I can kind of see that as well. I again, I, I'm not a fan of Cara Dune's character all that much. I, there's something about it. I. I just think the actress that plays her just isn't a great actress. I think we briefly touched on this on our like uh, on uh, Split Focus uh, on episode twenty four. Um, but yeah, I just I don't find her a good actor actress at all, and she kind of takes me out of it. She's, She's not a- terrible. Yeah, it's not she- worse than Hayden Christensen in the Clone Wars. No, uh, sorry, Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones. Every time, man. Sorry. Um, no, I agree with you there, but it still is enough to kind of take me out of it, just because her playing off everyone else. I just don't think she's great. I really don't, and I she think improve over time. It's I not, think, she's not terrible. She's yeah, okay. for me, it's it's acceptable. And I think she's. I think it really comes to show, like in 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 the season finale, because like again, like she's surrounded by even more characters, and it's just she always just does the shit that pisses me off. Like in in the season finale in chapter sixteen, the rescue directed by Peyton Reed, there's a scene where like gun jams. And I just hate how she plays it off. There's there's something about it. Maybe I just don't like the character, and I've just set it in my brain. I don't like it, but the way she's trying to unjam a gun just seems like someone pretending to unjam a gun. Oh, I see. I didn't right. even get that it was jammed. I didn't understand. Yeah. That, you just filled me in there. I know what your moment you're talking about, but I was like, is the gun jammed was my question. Yeah, no, it's, it's so jammed. That's, and, that's problematic. And it yeah. looks like she's trying to unjam something that was never jammed in the first place. Oh, it, no. Like, okay. to me, that, that when I was watching, I was like, God, like, I, this is taking well, me out Well, it wasn't it. jammed, Adrian. This is a show. It's not real. <laughs> yeah, but I'm kidding, I don't want to know. I know, I know. But yeah, anyways. Cool. And Chapter 15 is fantastic. Uh, the Believer, again, directed by Rick Femiyua. And now, um, the grand finale. And it's fantastic. It's a really amazing finale. What's episode 16 called? The Rescue. The Rescue. Uh, again, directed by Peyton Reed. And this is uh, Mando, Cara Dune, Boba Fett, Fennec, and also Bo-Katan and her, her friend, going to save Baby Yoda, as well as going to capture Moff Gideon, because Bo-Katan wants the Darksaber so she can be the rightful ruler of Mandalore. Right, exactly. And that kind of comes into play here. When they get on the ship, it's awesome. This entire episode is it's perfect. But I'm going to get to why I don't necessarily, necessarily love the direction they went. Interesting, okay. Um, curious. I'm really curious to think... Like the finale is the one that I think would be the most controversial for yeah. you. So I'm curious to see what you think. And again, I think it's again a fantastic episode. Everything about this is so great. Again, the the the, the fight scenes, the the level of this is the first time it feels not not necessarily the first time, but it feels like the stakes are so high and that anyone can lose or die. For sure. Okay. And it it just does a, such a great job encapsulating that, and you know it again being another heist mission, which this show is con- consistently doing, and somehow every heist mission is 
just as or more interesting than the last. Yeah, I, we didn't, I didn't really think about it as heist missions a, a, until like right now. Yeah, honestly, so it's not really something that's that's jarring. It's like, oh, not another one of these. Yeah, no, definitely this is not. Definitely interesting is just as interesting as the last time. And yeah, each one is unique and different and interesting. Even though a lot of it is like, oh, we got to infiltrate the base to get this one thing so we can continue the mission. And it's kind of like a video game playing out. And it really is. But it's done so incredibly well that I didn't think about it at all. <laughs> like, sure, yeah, I, I, I was just excited for it to continue going. This is going. so much character development. And there's so many great relationships being bonded over. It's less about the mission sometimes than it is mm-hmm. just about the, the situations that they find these characters find themselves yeah. in. Yeah, for sure. And uh, obviously, you know, they get on the ship. Uh, and the Dark Troopers are like a... Formidable. Very they're formidable. Bloody slow. Yeah, they're slow, but they're an incredibly formidable opponent. They're so strong, and blasters don't kill them. Yeah, blasters don't kill them, and you know the only thing that can really kill them is probably a, a lightsaber, a dark saber, or Beskar directly if you just jam it through them, which right. Mando and does. And when he's fighting that one, there's like an army coming through the door. He closes the door in the last second, and he's fighting that one. It's so formidable. He's fighting it for like five minutes which is such an awesome fight scene and it's intense like i legitimately thought i was like holy shit is he actually gonna lose this like i almost felt like Like, it's like he's is he gonna lose this this is only one i just kept thinking this is only one and yeah there's a whole army yeah there's like nine more all trying to get door Uh, yeah and it it really just goes to show like these things are powerful and terrifying yeah yeah. and they do a really good job of they do kind of like look a little bit like zerg though don't they from uh from toy story yes I'm not sure. I'm I kind of wish you didn't eyes. point that out. The eyes the design is not my favorite thing. I really wish you didn't point that out. <laughs> I'm not joking. That actually kind of bummed me out a bit. <laughs> Sorry, but <laughs> like it, God damn it! Can't Why? see it now. Yeah, no, I can't. That's actually you the, saw it though. You you noticed as soon as you mentioned it. I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> anyway, God damn it, man. But anyways, yeah, no, they're formidable as shit. When he's getting his freaking, they're not house, scary anymore. His, his head pounded in through the freaking metal door. I know. Unbelievable. Thank God for Beskar, because his head would have been down in one one yeah. shot from the friggin' punch. Imagine how loud that was in the helmet, though. I know. It must have been like his ears must be ringing. Yeah, we should try it. Put on a put on like a like a like a Boba Fett helmet that's made out of metal. I'm gonna whack you in the head with a baseball bat. <laughs> uh, we'll do it after the show. Okay, sounds awesome. good. Let's finish the episode first. Sounds good. Um, but yeah, no, crazy, formidable for sure. And the the lady, the lady team. I feel like they kind of built up the lady team on purpose, though, didn't they? Because what happened to the guy? Oh, Boba Fett. No, Boba Fett. Commit- okay, Boba- that was actually a really cool moment, by the way. Yeah. Boba Fett's that whole plan for getting into the ship in the first place mm-hmm. when Slave One is chasing, like it's a faux chase, and Boba Fett's just so badass when he's leaving. When he's when he's leaving, he just, he just blows, blows up the, up the two thing tie by fighters. Like, it's just so easy. Yeah, n- not he's, even by accident. He's just like, eh. He's boom, just boom. so bad. Like, or even the ship. He uses it. I think in the. I think when he's going to uh, chase after the Imperial cruiser initially, mm-hmm. like in the, the first episode, we see Slave One when he's going after uh, Yoda, Baby Yoda, and they. I think they chase him back. He blows up, or they chase him at some point. I can't remember. They chase him at some point, but he throws that bomb thing back. Yeah, and, and it just, just like blows, blows the ship to up. shit. Yeah, it was awesome, but he's not in it. That's not what I mean. There's the other Mandalorian guy. He's just not in it. Quincy, where did he go? Oh yeah, we can assume he just died. No, what do you mean he died? We didn't see him. Did we see him in this episode at I mean, all? He didn't die at all. We never saw him die. I don't know. We can just assume he died off screen. Why? I don't know. Because he's he alive. There. We're gonna see him in another episode for Probably. sure with Bo-Katan. Yeah. 
I think it was. Uh, were they building up the lady team though? The badass lady team. Maybe it's not a bad thing. I don't dislike it, but I feel like they did do that deliberately because Boba Fett's not yeah. there. Boba Fett's the best fighter they literally have. No offense to the other people no, on the team. No, he definitely is. Like he's better than the Mandalorian theoretically too. Like he's pretty badass, and they decided to leave him behind. Like no one else can fly that ship. Come on, like. I don't know. Like, I feel like he could have helped them with that specifically, especially when they know that there's dark troopers on board. Like, let's think about that for a second. Definitely. And so that I think I don't know that part, but the lady team was awesome. Like, Cara Dune, was. Bo-Katan, the I don't know what the other. Yeah, I forget what the other lady. And Mingna Wen's uh, Fennec. Mingna Wen, by the way, probably the best fighter. Out of oh, those. she's so cool. She's just so cool, and she's got the training to really pull off a convincing somebody who's really effective at martial arts or like any kind of really all her gunplay is fantastic oh yeah so great anyways that was a, all a great fight scene but then they're screwed because of course after the mandalorian kills that one dark trooper he evicts yeah the rest, spells of the rest of them but they don't care about space they can breathe in space they're robots so they, they don't breathe fly. they don't need to breathe period <laughs> they initially flew back to the ship with yoda in the first place like yeah the baby yoda grogu initially when they delivered grogu to the imperial cruiser yep. with moff gideon and so they fly back into the ship and now there's like an army of these dark troopers who <laughs> they fought for he fought for five minutes for one of them obviously they're going to be formidable and they arrive on this uh, the ship actually before they even arrive on the ship he goes to the to find Baby Yoda. He yep. finds Grogu, and of course, Moff Gideon's holding the dark saber over Baby Yoda. And again, John Carlo Esposito, he's gravitas. He's just fantastic. And did you think that he was actually going to make that deal? By the way, so when he claims that I he's did. making the deal, I did too. Yeah, and he was just going to let him go because what does it matter? You got the blood like you claim you do. Mm-hmm. What does it matter if you have the blood already of Grogu? But of course, he betrays him, and then he hits him in the Beskar. I don't think he knew that the Beskar would block it. No, no, I, I don't think so the, the either. And again, th- this is another example of how great the writing is of yeah. this show, and as well as how great Giancarlo Esposito's acting is. Because literally, not even for a second did I was was I like, oh no, he's going to betray him. I only knew and at I don't the very know why. end. Yeah, it's true. You should. Like, know. I don't know why. It I seems only so knew obvious. at the end when when you see his back turned because you can see uh, him kind of still facing him. Mm-hmm. I I knew that that. Point Point, but I didn't know before. Like all that moment where he's convincing him, I was convinced. Yeah, I felt like, like, like I was damn. Mandalorian. Like, like okay, yeah, he makes a good point. He's Why a man he of his him? word. Yeah, he doesn't need him. He's a good man. He's gonna let him go. I don't need to kill this guy because he could have killed him. He could have just shot him. Mm-hmm. Like after he closes the dark saber, just shoot him in the face. Yeah, he's a dickhead. <laughs> he's a total dickhead, man. <laughs> so like, why do you need him? Yeah. So anyways, he captures him. Oh no, he fights him. Yeah. Fought, that was a great battle. For free. it was he another fight. Another great battle with the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Again, he he wins the fight almost narrowly at some points because he's he doesn't have the he doesn't have the spear initially out, so he's like fighting with his friggin' he looks like Batman. He's fighting with his greaves. Yeah, he does look like Batman. He's he's Batmaning it up with the best uh, best guard griefs. Eventually defeats him. Yep, puts him in cuffs, and then we discover that by winning the dark saber, he's now the rightful heir to the Mandalore throne, and he can't give it away to Bo-Katan without having a. An actual fight. Which is crazy, and that's clearly a setup for the next season. Because Definitely. they didn't deal with it here. But yeah. then the Dark Troopers land on board the tr- uh, the mm-hmm. Imperial Cruiser once again. They're coming to destroy them. There's no way they're going to defeat them. They're standing there with guns raised, but you can't fight these guys, things with guns, as we've seen. My question is, what do they do now? I, I kept wondering, like, are they going to go through the... Are they going to blow a hole in the freaking, uh, like, the windshield and get yeah. out into space? Like, what do you do here? There's not much you can do. And, and then- so... Yeah, this is what I mean. Like, I, I felt an impending dune, a doom. 
Cara Dune. <laughs> I felt an impending Cara Dune. Denis Villeneuve. But yeah, no, I felt like a, a doom. Like I was like, they're not going to get out of this. Like I, yeah. I, I was just, I was like, what's, like how can they do this? And then you see an X-Wing fly out. And, and land in the ship. And you're like, no way. Right. You know what I mean? Like you, immediately I started questioning it. I was like, no, they're not going to do that. And a Jedi comes out fucking murders all these uh green lightsaber yeah green lightsaber i was like no I'm like not gonna they're not gonna do that well how far along did you think they weren't gonna do that until you you, you reveal it I, are I, you serious no like i knew it was him like oh, okay. i knew it was because you can Luke. see the lightsaber yeah when he when he walks by after he kills a few of them he walks by with the and you know at that moment the hilt yes but you i think you knew before Deep yeah down you're just like doubting it i was like no on, like they're not gonna they do can't. that they and, can't and you know it turns out to be Luke. And this is where I am conflicted. So there's three things I'm very disappointed by with the with the with the whole Luke thing. Okay. Is one, very clearly Boba Fett wasn't in that ship because he has a history with Luke and they wouldn't be able to write themselves out of that. Because Luke killed Boba Fett. It wouldn't have just been like, oh, here, take Grogu, you're all good. Boba Fett would be like, what the fuck? You know oh, what I mean? I and see. Luke would also be like, but it, it works, what the fuck? Though. It, it's still, the explanation, it's, I get that he's the best fighter, he's on the ship. I am okay with it, though, because he is the one flying the ship. It's yeah. the ship he owns. It makes sense, but it's very clearly like, they, that's the reason why Boba Fett wasn't on that ship, because they brought in Luke. Number uh, two. That's clear to me. Like, I'm okay with it, because again, I, I said it would have been nice to have him on the ship. It mm-hmm. was more clear... I, I found it was the lady team that was the, the more clear reason Fair for him to do that, because it was weird that the guy wasn't there. Because the guy Mandalorian makes no sense. Yeah, I guess. But ultimately, it is him flying the ship, and they know that he can escape. I, mm-hmm. So I, I've talked myself into a bit of a corner, but ultimately, I think it's because they know he can escape. Those uh, those freaking Tie Fighters aren't going to take him down. Yeah, you know what I mean. Two. Yeah. What is it? We're, we're missing our chance for Sebastian Stan. Okay, so Sebastian Stan. We talked about this on a previous podcast, and I know that people, anyone who likes Star Wars, know, knows that. Or they, a lot of people know that Sebastian Stan strangely has a weird, uncanny resemblance to Mark Hamill in his younger years. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. He does look very similar. The problem with putting Sebastian Stan, I shouldn't say uncanny because it's not uncanny, and that's the problem. The issue is if you cast Sebastian Stan, you try and dress him up, whatever, you make him look like him. It's not like casting Alden Ehrenreich in Solo. The reason why is because you're not making this a Luke Skywalker series. You're specifically choosing to have Luke Skywalker in The Mandalorian. And you have to convince people immediately that's Luke Skywalker. There's no question in my mind. If you have a brief moment where he undoes the hood and you're like, well, is that Luke Skywalker? You failed. And that's, that's why you point. can't do Sebastian Stan. I would have loved it, but they didn't build it up beforehand that Sebastian Stan was Luke. They could have done that. And then it would have solved the problem. But I don't even know. If, I don't think there's even any talk of Sebastian Stan being cast at all. No, I know. But it's you all were fan. excited, weren't you? That he was going to undo it and you thought it was going to be Sebastian I Stan. I was. I thought it was too. Because Me they too. already have him in another Disney show happening right now. They're, already, they're finished filming, I guess. Yeah, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Right. So I thought there's a good chance that he's working with Disney Plus on two properties. There's, there's a good chance. There's a good chance. A good I would chance. love that. But didn't happen. What's the third third problem? My my third problem is this is like the epitome of small universe. Okay, like that's that's where like as soon as I saw it, I was like, like really? Like I was just like, it again, isn't because of what I said before. It's the it, same argument. Exactly. I had. You, may, you make you make a good point. The there. Jedi are dead, 
And he's the best person to train anyone because he's literally looking to train people currently. Yeah, he's so in the that, process of creating like a, his own Jedi training There are training no order. other Jedi. Yeah. So he's building up Jedi now and there aren't any others. And literally Grogu was calling a Jedi. So that makes sense. It can't be Ahsoka Tano. And who else is left? That, Cal is, Kestis. That's, but, that's what I wanted. That, that was my hope is that's how Cal they would have But Cal Kestis folded. isn't really, I don't think he's equipped to do that. Probably not. No. And I don't think anyone would have... It wouldn't have been a reveal at all and no one would have cared. So he would have got on the ship and then he would have killed people. I was like, who is that guy? I don't care. Like that that reveal was so brilliant. Yeah, I know. It's the only logical My issue is not that. Option. You know what my issue is? The Adrian? almost uncanny valley of the yeah, de-aging. I can't do it. His face, it's not good. Did you watch The Irishman? Have you seen the movie The Irishman? No. It's Martin Scorsese movie? No. It's a long movie. It's like three and a half hours. I Anyways. Know. I watched the whole movie. The the DH Robert De Niro, the DH Al Pacino. It is so close. I'm so impressed with what they did, but it's still not perfect. But it's the whole movie. And they did a three camera technique to pull this off. It was a special technique so they didn't have to have dots on their face. It is really good. It is not this. This was not close in my opinion. Dawn, my girlfriend, was not she did not believe that uh, she did not believe that it was it was hard to believe that this was Luke Skywalker. She didn't think it looked like CG. But for me, his face was too stiff. I kept thinking Dude, that... Dude, that's if, the issue. If you moved his face... You know that thing with uh, deep fakes When people move their face suddenly and then the, the face shifts suddenly? That's what I kept thinking was going to happen. So he, you're still real still, buddy. Because if you move too quick, your face is going to shift and it's going to be in a different location. Yeah. It's like the face swap on freaking uh, Snapchat. Yeah. That's what it felt like to me. And like, you couldn't do a better job. Like, I honestly... I think that they just needed... I know it took probably forever to do this. And no offense to the CG graphics artists. I'm sure they... This is a great job, but it has to be closer. If you're going to do this thing, it has to be closer. There's moments where I believed it, but there's moments where his face is like, like, are you a Jedi? He's like this. Yes. Yeah, it's literally just the lips moving it. It it looks odd. I think it's... No one talks like that. it's, It's on the level of like Leia at the end of Rogue One, but it's longer. Like it's definitely right, but they did another person was in that movie too. Tarkin, Tarkin, but Tarkin was more believable. I felt that it was a little mm. better. That I, is, I actually disagree with you there. I I, I think this Leia is, was better. I think Leia was a little bit better because it's okay. so quick. Tarkin is just in so many scenes that yeah. I think it's easier to notice because like Tarkin literally looks animated at some points. It just takes um, you out of it, and, and, and this and is the issue. What, this is the thing overall. Like overall, yeah. no matter what, even Rogue again, Rogue One took me out of it and i just i don't want to be taken out that badly like irishman i really did believe it to the point where i i saw past it for most of the movie like i really didn't think this is so bad i can't even watch this anymore which if i had seen a whole movie with this luke skywalker I, it would have been really jarring like mm-hmm. it would have been difficult it's not it's it's great this skywalker i'm okay with it i i'm good with it it wouldn't necessarily be better for sebastian stan i don't think because of what i explained with that yeah, fair problem point. but it's one of those things that I just it is face like, that is, is so literally stiff. uncanny valley like that yeah. like, where it's so close but it's, it's just, just not enough. enough like you know what it is for it, me too yeah it makes you feel weird about it you and I we play a lot of video games we do I'm playing cyberpunk right now like if you're watching if you're playing Last of Us Part Two the graphics in these games are so good dude there's, Resident Evil like they're, they're so Resident good Evil exactly the the re there's a re like not the, the old Resident but this is a remake and they look great. And because we've seen these CG faces so much too at this point, we're in an age where these CG faces in video games are so prevalent. I think I'm also more prevalent to believe that this is just not real enough. 
because I've seen these faces be so real in video games. It's by the way not as it's more real than that, but because I'm so f- familiar with CG elements in games, I can't see past the fact that you just don't have it close enough to be considered actually a real person. It's because of the contrast of like everything being real behind his it. His face is too smooth. It's got like prob- like you didn't create enough pores almost on his face. You know what it is too? It felt like it was a they they used an image from the old Star Wars movies and then posted it on this guy's face. But ultimately, this is a 4K series as well. We're watching this on a 4K TV. If I had a worse TV, probably would have been better. If this was like 1080p, a series that was filmed in 1080p, they have a hard job ahead of them. I don't envy them at all. This is not an easy thing to do. Like to actually do it realistically and make me believe it completely. I don't know. I don't. I, I. It's impressive that they were able to pull it off to this level, but it's a 4K game. It's like a 4K game. Yeah. It's a 4K series, and it's got such good graphical elements, and it's almost all practical effects. And I believe, I believe almost all of them. Even having R2D2 roll in, I'm like, that's awesome. It's R2D2. I can see it. It's cool, but again, I was like, what the fuck is R2 doing on this ship? Just, <laughs> like, well, he's on the. He flies with him everyone the X Wing. I know, but just leave him on the goddamn X Wing. Why did. Like, well, he came out himself. He just popped out. Yeah. He's one of those things that the droid just follows his own thing. It's like uh, Revenge of the Sith. Remember that moment where he's got that battle? It's almost yeah. a little too, too cheesy, but. Yeah. I'm okay with that for that, but it, it did, the, the, it did the, remind me a little bit of the Darth Maul moment in Solo. Dude, yeah. It's like, oh, just just, by bit. the way, like if you don't realize this is Luke, R2 is next to him. Yeah, just in case. Th- this is. I, I think that is the very moment where I think they just took the fan service a little bit too far. I didn't care. I think that they pushed Because I know he's going to be in the ship anyways, and so yeah. to come meet everyone. That's a moment in the, mo- in the in this series, but ultimately this show is not about Luke. It's about the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And the the most, honestly, I cried a bit. I the moment not. where he took off his helmet and friggin' Grogu touches his face. It's, it's so like, cute and it's so man. sad. And the music choice and, and everything about it is just so good. And then he walks away with him and Don, like my girlfriend's just crying. Like yeah. at that point. It's like, a, yeah. Because it's her favorite, obviously, it. it's her, her favorite character, as I yeah. mentioned, it's the Baby Yoda show. Did I mention that on this? Story? Yeah, you did. Yeah, it's, it's the Baby Yoda show for her. And so it's just sad and it makes you wonder like is baby yoda gonna be in it because luke skywalker he can't they can't pull this off are they really gonna try and cg this every for multiple episodes like i i hope not but you hope that baby yoda's probably in it right grogu's gotta be i in would it. like it back because also he's a he's a freaking uh merchandise seller well the, you know what i mean yeah the, the implications of this is if grogu doesn't leave grogu was killed by kylo ren Oh, I know. I thought about that yes. too. I thought about that, and there's a there's a theory online that also the Grogu's blood thing is uh, how do they make friggin' uh, Emperor Palpatine again if he's a clone? How do they make Snoke? So people believe that they made Snoke with his blood. I was like, I don't care though. It just made me upset. I'm like, I don't care. The thing about putting Luke in this is the issue with it for me is more like yeah, small universe. But it's like you're pulling this into that story that I really. The ending is so bad that I'm not... That's my issue with it more than the small universe. If yeah, good small, call. If the universe was great... See, this is what the problem is. It soured the Mandalorian a little bit for me because now are you you're syncing these up to the point where, like, do I care? I don't like the Rise of Skywalker ending. It's so rough that it's like, what were you doing? So I, I don't... The Last Jedi is so great. And again, we've talked about this a million times, but it's that's the problem is that... I love Mark Hamill's character, but Mark Hamill did a 180 in friggin' Rise of Skywalker too. You know, like, yeah, what what is going on? You, I wouldn't throw the lightsaber. 
It's disrespectful. Like, come on. It's like, dude, shut the fuck up. on. Again, this is controversial, I'm sure. One of the coolest moments, Star Wars moments, for specifically Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker is when he project force projects himself across multiple planets away. Mm-hmm. It's just so neat that he can do that, and that's such an unknown thing that we didn't know he could do. It's one of those powerful things he could have done. It was He sacrificed himself. It's brilliant. I just thought that that's such a brilliant moment. And that fight that he has, it's not really a fight. It's like a faux faux fight in Last Jedi. It's just incredible. It's one of the best moments in the movie. Anyways, so to bring him back here in this aspect is cool, but then they kind of, they're going to ruin it eventually. We know that for a fact. It's like whenever you have a prequel, you said you don't like prequels. The reason I wouldn't like a prequel is if the original ended badly. So then why do I care about the prequel anymore? So Mm. let's dive away from that. I'm hoping that they... Take the Mandalorian in now a different direction, but I also want to see Baby Yoda again. I'm going like it. You see, yeah, see where I'm at with this? Yeah, it's kind of uh, it's kind of sad. Uh, yeah, I, I want to see Baby Yoda again, but I, like what in what context? How yeah, are we gonna how? See? Don't force it. You can't force it, and you know that people love Grogu. Like that's just a fact. Yeah, unless they do like a big time jump to, you know, like if they do like a, it'd be pretty cool if they do like a 15 year time jump, you know, something like that, and or yeah. 20 year time jump, and then you know like. For whatever reason, they like they, they retcon like, oh yeah, Kylo Ren killed everyone except for Grogu again. You know, he survived like, again. Why is he, he being a little baby? He, he escaped. Uh, he escaped two Skywalkers technically trying to kill him. Well, that'd be crazy, eh? And then we're now it's a time jump after. Oh, after would be great because we don't have to worry about the rise of Skywalker anymore. Yeah, I don't think it would be after. That's because it's still like thirty years difference. Like, well, it's it, been a bit of a. Oh, I see. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe not thirty years. I don't know. Is it thirty? Yeah, because it's 30 years between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens, give or take a bit. Oh, okay. Something like that. So Interesting, uh, okay. Hmm. But yeah, great show. Great show. I'm just a little bit conflicted because of Rise of Skywalker more than anything else. The CG element thing, I'm not reviewing it badly because of that. I find that that CG thing, I just it's disappointing because, again, they're not there yet. The technology's not there yet. I'm sorry, but deep fakes just aren't the same as, as having an actor uh, there. But it's cool. It was, what, what's great about it, it was Mark Hamill. That's the greatest thing, mm-hmm. is that they use Mark Hamill for this. They credit him in the actual episode. Awesome. It's fantastic in that that regard. But Yeah, I, I really do love this show. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I'm excited to see where they go with it next. I'm excited to see what the other series hold, because the other series are more wild cards. We know that this is tightly, tightly controlled by Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni. Mm-hmm. More so Jon Favreau. Like, the amount of effort he's put into these, like, to write every episode, almost. Like, Wow. Good on him. Like that's like wild how what he's the effort he's done. And and Dave Filoni's like the resource. I think he's the Star Wars resource. The the second coming of George Lucas in a lot yeah, of ways. Like like, the, uh, he knows the everything. Encyclopedia. He's the encyclopedia. Encyclopedia has also created these cool characters that people love as well. So it's really neat. Um so yeah. yeah, out of these yeah, shows, like I'm obviously excited for Mandalorian season three. I'm I'm super stoked for Ahsoka Tano, as long as Dave Filoni's like fully attached to it. And then yeah, the book of Boba Fett, who I assume John Favreau is going to be show running. You think I, so? I imagine that's why. A busy it was guy. Revealed. I don't know. I, I I think that's why it is revealed that like at the end of the Mandalorian, as opposed to in that Disney uh, insider talk over the phone thing. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> the conference. Yeah, the conference is what I was fucking <laughs> conference. Yeah, it's crazy the, the amount of effort that John Favreau, the amount of things he's made. Like he started the Marvel Cinematic Universe. 
he created great movies that are just not again they're just indie movies really like Chef and, mm-hmm. and other movies like that. And I then, love Chef so much. What a and great then movie. like also on top of this, he he created The Mandalorian, which is a revamp. Like people are very divided on The Last Jedi and sure whatever. And you're also divided on The Rise of Skywalker as well. Even The Force Awakens is kind of divided some people, but people aren't really that divided on The Mandalorian. No, I think it's, it's uh, pretty universally what he's loved. Able to do like that's pretty crazy. Good on him for that because it's it's awesome and I'm so excited for the third season. I just me too, man. What are we gonna do about the Baby Yoda show? You know, I don't know. How can it be the Baby Yoda show if you don't have Baby Yoda? In it? Exactly. It's funny because yeah, like the most negative thing I have to say is it just feels like a small universe, but even that's not a huge deal. I'm not even seeing that too much. I just think that they need to dive into the other timelines on its own. Like they need to be bold. Mm-hmm. That would be the thing about that, but. We can talk. We'll definitely be talking about that more so on Split Focus, a film and TV podcast, as we go on. I think that pretty much wraps our closer look episode, though. Yeah, man. I uh... it's a long one. This is the longest a closer look we've done. Uh, we've we dived into every episode in pretty good detail. It's pretty good conversation. I, I appreciate you joining me on this one. I appreciate is, you joining me on this one. I, I thank you. You're thank welcome. you for saying that. I, thank I, you for th- saying it as well to me. Thank you for thanking me. Thank, thank you. you for, thanks for thanking of me. Thanks. Thanks for thanking of me, Adrian. Thank you. Thank you. And that's it. Um, that's it. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you on the next one on uh, Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. Goodbye. Take care, guys. Goodbye. Take care.